Hey, yo, Internets, this episode of the Combat Jack Show is supported by Bevel, the first and only shaving system designed for people with coarse, curly hair, and sensitive skin. You've seen people talking about that Bevel trimmer. Listen, I got one. That shit is like the lightsaber of trimmers. Shit is out now. No more waiting lists. You don't have to wait. All orders are shipping now. The bevel trimmer features four hours of cordless power, zero gap adjustment in seconds, an easy-to-clean blade designed to repel dirt and oil and other buildup that that shit carries on your neck. Motherfuckers, clean your neck. Uh, and listen, the best thing about this is a soft-touch grip with a 360 non-slip handling. And for a limited time, internets, with every trimmer purchase, you get the first month of Bevel's super amazing shave system for free. Just go over to getbevel.com slash jack. Tell them Combat Jack sent you. That's getbevel.com slash jack for your first month free of the Bevel Shaving System. You deserve to look good, so bring smoother skin into your life with Bevel. Internet, you're listening to the Combat Jack Show. How y'all doing out there? This is weird, man. We're in a different room at the headquarters of the engine room. Um, it's this is a weird setup, man. We, King, what's going on with you, man? I'm chilling, man. I, I just want to salute you. Congratulations. I know it's all team, but I just want to commend you for your stellar contributions to the culture. With this mogul project, I mean, you trying to make me cry, man? Dude, you made a lot of people cry. You made a lot of people cry. You know, did I? Yeah, 100%. man. I had to choke back, man. I was, I was close when and Tiffany was speaking. I was yeah. close. All right, let, let's let's rewind. Let's, let's 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 bring the audience in, man. You, you know, you already seen the headlines, man. We got the legendary Dante Ross in the building. Welcome to the combat. What Jack up? Show. What up? What up? I'm hitting you know, the mic. Is, What's going yeah. on, guys? This is your second appearance on the combat is, Jack show, but is. nobody can find. Your first appearance, so fuck that. This is your first appearance on the Combat Jack Show. My first, second appearance. Yes. So what we're talking about is we had the uh, mogul uh, launch party um, slash Chris Lighty birthday party. Yes, sir. Last night at Marquee. Spotify hosted an amazing uh -huh. event. They hired the great, legendary Jessica Rosenboom mm. to plan it, and it was just amazing. I mean, no one else could do that for Chris. That's Chris's sister. So. Yeah, exactly. F from when they r rode yeah. shotgun in front of the yeah. tunnel We, all, we all came up together. Exactly. Mm -hmm. so. uh, um, so anyway, but what we're talking about is I had to um, do a brief speech and an intro, and welcome to the stage, Chris Lighty's eldest daughter, Tiffany Lighty. And, you know... It, I don't know if I mean internets. I know a lot of y'all have been listening to the to the to the series, and I thank y'all. And if y'all haven't, I mean, I, I apologize to people that's overseas or you know outside of the U.S. I apologize to to to, to, to Canada and the whole. I'm a little hungover too. Anybody that can't get the show, I apologize. But if you live within the U.S., all you gotta fucking do is download Spotify. Y'all don't have to pay for the premium or anything like that. I've been telling you, motherfuckers have been complaining every day. I get at least six, ten complaints. We was on Spotify. Like, niggas, just download the shit. you ain't got Spotify by now, you lost. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, so we I had to intro uh, Chris's daughter, man, and, you know, man, I don't even want to talk about it right now because I'm feeling the emotion, it. man. I mean, talk about it. That was real, though. Chris's you know, spirit man. was definitely in the room. 100%, yeah, man. Chris's spirit was in the yeah. room. He brought from, a, like, you know, his, his spirit brought a lot of people together yesterday. Let's talk people about some. See each other. Yeah, let's talk about some of the names like Leo Cohen, Leo Cohen, the Fubu cool brother, DJ the, Red Fubu, Alert. the Fubu guys. Uh, pardon, you know, um, Damon John was yeah, there. Damon John, yeah. Red Alert, man. Red, let's talk about Bob Johnson from Yes, he was. Yes, he was there. I saw Chris's 
His grandmother was there. His grandmother? Yeah. yeah. I saw his I sister. Seen his brother. I saw I his sister. Yeah. I seen both his brothers, Mike and Dave. Yeah, yeah, Dave, yeah, you know, yeah. Seen... But you know, it, I could get. I mean, I got my win back. But just talking about Chris, and I didn't even know Chris that well. Mm -hmm. But just doing this story for over a year, man, with Chris, and just mm -hmm. living with Chris and the ups and the downs, and and the story's about to get darker, man. It, yeah, man. It's it's so emotional, man. Yeah, like, man. So I started breaking down when I was. Given the intro, but I didn't know other people were. Nah, yeah. nah, a lot of people, a lot of people got emotional. I was standing with Lior, you know, and, and I seen him, me and him was both like, damn, it was, it was tough for a couple of us, you know, and and like I almost didn't want to go just because I, I just like, it's a motive, and I don't feel like being emotional in front of people. That's not my style. Right. Well, thanks for coming out, Dante. Thanks for being here. Yo, you, I just found out, man, I, I, I knew you were a pioneer in this game. Um, We both came in around the same time. Yeah. Um, you became the A&R, I became yeah. the lawyer. I was I always wanted to be an A&R. But I found out that you were actually technically the very first person hired specifically at a major label. to do hip-hop A&R at a major You're the first yep. hip-hop A&R person. I was. Like the Guinness Book of World Records needs yep. you in the fuck. You're the first. That's what they That's say. That's crazy. Yeah, man. That's cra it's cr what's, what's even crazier is I remember Harry Allen said to me years ago, I'm the first hip hop attorney. The media assassin. The media ass is that crazy, man? That era that we come from. That's crazy, right? That's amazing. Like, how do we do that shit, man? So did you did you claim yourself the first hip hop attorney? Back then, that, th that shit was corny. Right, right. So who was, gave who gave you the moniker? Like, like Harry you? Allen called okay. me that. But I mean, it, because it was Harry Allen, and I that was coming in the game, I was like, oh That's shit. Official. Harry Allen, but over the years, you know, you got to claim shit. The motherfuckers are trying to, you yeah. know, push your legacy aside, yeah, man. Yeah, of course. Yo, growing up, man, what did you want to be? Um, I wanted to play point guard for the Knicks, but I wasn't that nice. So, I mean, that was, <laughs> that was really what I wanted to do. But, right. They still need I'm, a point guard. Hey, I mean, my, my handle is gone. <laughs> when the crossover came out, they crossed me out. They were like, you done, kid. Um... You know, I want I wanted to play sports. I love sports. I want to be a sports announcer. Marv Albert was an early hero of mine. You know, I used to I used to turn the TV off and do the play by play. Me and my man, and I just always really like I would buy the sporting news and have like the all the rosters in front of me and all that. I was really, really like into that. But but you got to go to school to do that, and I ain't like going to school too much. Um, and I always read the back of records, mm. right? So I'm a credit hound. I read liner notes and credits. Yeah, and everything. everything. Right. So, so especially Parliament Funkadelic records because they were like cartoons to me. That was my first, my first album ever that I bought was um, Chocolate City. Yeah, that was one of my favorite groups ever growing yeah. up because the covers and and they were like they were like the Black Kiss, mm -hmm. right? So, so you know they had that same thing because I like Kiss too when I was young because they were just like colorful, man. Yeah, man. right. It was like comic book shit. So yeah. and Gene Simmons with the flames. I yeah, mean, it was like on. you know the music. I was, do not like that. The shit. music was whatever, but it was the rock. Whole it was traditional was rock great. and roll, but. Yeah, you know, so so I always read the back of notes, liner notes, and and um, I, I like was fascinated by a couple of people like Steve Cropper. I was like, how's this guy's name on every record I like, right? Because he was on like on Bill Withers, and then he was on like Otis Redding, and and I was wondering who he was and Jerry Wexler, and I started reading mm. about music a lot, you know, and and I guess Steve Cropper and Jerry Wexler stood out to me because they were white guys making black music, right? And and I grew up with like all Puerto Rican cats and. And I was like, oh, I can identify. And I'm looking at the back of pictures of records, and it's Steve Cropper's in the room with like Otis Redding, and he looked cool with the pompadour. I was like, that guy's fucking cool. Yeah. He was so he was always someone who I like looked up to. And I, I read a lot of stuff in high school about music. You know, I was always fascinated by the culture of music, and and then being around Russell and people like that, 
I was I was like, oh wow, I can maybe even figure this out. How'd so. you end up being around Russell? Um, and we're jumping I, jumping ahead. Yeah, yeah, we're but, jumping way ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so you know, one thing I found amazing is you know not just your history, but your your family's history. Like, oh yeah. Like growing up, like your household, yeah, yeah. like. Your dad. Yeah, my pops was a wild John, cat. John Ross. Yeah, yeah, right? he's, he's an activist and a writer. He was down with the Beat Movement. Oh yeah, he was. You know, he was published by Northern Northern Lights, and he was friends with like Jack Kerouac and all them cats. Yeah, my dad was a wild ass dude, man. He was like a political activist. He had a bunch of kids all over the place that that I keep meeting as I get in my forties and fifties, and he was a uh, an interesting guy, man. You know, he's a, a writer and uh, a journalist and. Man, he marched to his own drum, and and my mom was a school teacher. My parents were were definitely like bohemians, and you know that was just how I grew up. I grew up with like in a very unorthodox household, you know. Like my dad is friends with like Stokely Carmichael. And yeah, Bobby Seal. Bobby Seal. Yeah, my, my like. Uh, so you had so you grew up like like as a kid, like seeing like all oh, yeah, these yeah. activists I mean, Stokely like Black Carmichael come in my house and all that. Like That's you know, crazy. Yeah, yeah. My dad knew him from Bronx Science and went to school together and. My dad went to high school with Stokely Carmichael and Bobby Darren. I mean, how huh. crazy is that? Right. Yeah, and like, um, you know, my pops was was part of the free speech movement, and just like there was always interesting people coming through my house. You know, it was like always a, uh, it was always like it was pretty wild, man. Did you know, you- like so so people who, you know, who don't know about this, like I was raised, um, looking up to to people like the Young Lords and the Black Panthers, and and a lot of that, and kind of trickled down to the music I ended up making at one point. So, yeah. um, your dad was also like a, a one of the original draft resistance. Oh yeah, he was the second person in the United States to to refuse to do a uh, service in Vietnam. The he went to jail second. for it. Yeah, the first in the state of California. Right. He went to jail. He went to Chino State for a year in 1963. And uh, so he, before he, your time. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, he uh, was the, he's one of the reasons that uh, you know conscientious objector status exists um, because he, he refused to go to war. And, and interestingly enough, that's you know the same thing a mom and. Muhammad Ali mm-hmm. exercised not to go to serve in the Vietnam right. War. So, right. so you know, I was raised to be pretty uh, um, rebellious and, and anti-establishment. You know, I was kind of the roots. It, it's in my DNA. What conversations, what type of conversations do you remember having with your dad growing up that, that would shape your worldview? I mean, my dad was like, so So, my dad was, um, he also disappeared for a large part of my childhood. So so he was he was absent for about seven or eight years. What happened? Just uh, dipped he, or? He just, man, he was fucked up in the game. He right. was, you know, on drugs. And the fallout of the 60s kicked him in the ass, and he had to get his life together, you know? Um, but but my dad, uh, you know, so when we were young, he just talked to me about basketball a lot, a lot of sports and a, a lot of, like, culture. And he, he would read comic books for me. My dad was a great artist. He drew lots of stuff for me. And and as as kid as a kid, you know, he was just like, um, you know, it wasn't, wasn't like there was never really anything political that I... I remember, though, as a as a toddler, I was you know taking on marches, and there's pictures of me on my dad's shoulder at anti-Vietnam marches in like 1967, 68. So so I was raised around all of that, you know, like um, man, I had a wild childhood, man. It was pretty interesting. That's crazy. And yeah. and, and you grew up in New York. I grew up in the Lower Side. Lower Side. Yeah, I grew up in Manhattan. I grew up um on Second. Well, first I lived on Ninth between B and C, and I grew up on Second between A and B, and uh, you know. There wasn't. There were no uh, cafes. Lower, on my Lower block East Side was up. fucked up. B. It was a heroin supermarket. Yeah, it was a wild ass place to grow up. up. It was. It was really um, dysfunctional. Yeah. And, and violent, hyper violent, and you know there was like two neighborhoods, the two worst neighborhoods in New York were Harlem and the Lower East Side. Right. Um. You know, and it was a an interesting place to grow up. But but I wouldn't change it for 
If anything, of course it, it made me who I am. It, right. it prepared me for my job later in life. You know, yeah. situations that make lots of white people uncomfortable never made me uncomfortable because I just grew up like, oh, I'm the only white kid on the block. That's how it's going to be. You know, so for me, it's like it was like life training. Right. You know, if I hadn't done that and my parents weren't who they are, I probably wouldn't have ended up doing what I do for a living. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, of course, you can't change anything. Or you, yeah, I mean, nothing happens by accident, right? Exactly. So, so how you? How, so how did you get closer to music? Or how did you start hanging out with Russell, man? So, so, it's a, so I always loved music. Like you know, my sister is is ten years older than me, and she loved music too. And she was really into disco and dancing and all that. So did you like that shit? I love it. Yeah. I love disco to this day. You know, it's it's um Gloria Gaynor. More more obscure stuff like Lamont Dozier, right? And and just um all the Paradise Garage stuff. I really Whoa. love all that music. Wait wait wait, did you go to the Paradise? I did. You went to the Paradise. Yeah, I went to Garage. You, you a bunch one of, of the times. few guests that I ever had. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know I Clark. To... I used to see Clark in there too. Yes. And Peter Paul and, yes. and his cats who were who were in there. You know, you want a Friday night Saturday Friday, night with yeah. some more gay night. Yeah, I love the Garage. Dude. Yeah, it was the Would you do the mescaline? Uh, I did every drug. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I was heavy into mess. Yeah, yeah, I like, was in like, acid and all that. See, I, I wasn't fucking with the acid, but Poppy that, that was across the street with the yeah. flapjack hat. You yeah. cop like two tabs for like yeah. ten bucks, my nigga. You out of here? Yeah, I used to do it. I used <laughs> to smoke angel dust. All really? Shit. Yeah. So but that was the time to do that's it. That's what we did. That was that, that, was, that was, was the time to do yeah, it, man. We were, like we were kids. Like, we New York know. City was crazy. New York City was buck and, wild. And 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 we had this sense that at any given moment. We're gonna have a good time, or we might get killed. Yeah, like, yeah, right, right, right. I'm mean, danger was around the corner. Right, like everywhere you went. I mean, that's that that's part of it too. You had to um, you had to be aware of where you what you were doing, where you were doing, who you were with. New York, what was, you had was, on, all where that. you had it on, all that, right, all that. You know, like I, I'm fortunate, unfortunate. I had no money, so I never had any jewelry or anything. So. So I didn't really have a whole lot to take. <laughs> me you, too. Right? You're gonna get like a tray bag and like forty three <laughs> cents from me. So, you know, it, it wasn't a. I wasn't living a a, a, a charmed life. life. Yeah. yeah, I didn't have it then. But so, anyway, so you were saying your sister? Yeah, she was really into old. disco right. and and um she was into like Parliament, Stevie Wonder, and my mom too, like Stevie Wonder and and stuff like that. So I grew up listening to music. I grew up on top of a social club, um and the jukebox was right under my bedroom. So like I'd hear like the Shy Lights and, mm. and all the Sweet Soul stuff too. They were they sold coke down there and <laughs> they had block parties and and you know we were all into dancing and all that. So as a kid, like you know that's just what we're around. Music is music is escapism, right? So that was like you know the cheapest form of escapism. Yeah. Turn and on the radio music, and man. you can get outside of your life. You know I love Casey and the Sunshine Band mm -hmm. and Peter Brown and and all that all that music that was out back then. You know, so so I grew up definitely listening to music my whole life. I didn't really know about white rock music right. to junior high school. Um, when I went to junior high school, cats put me on the Led Zeppelin, and Ooh. I thought I thought it was one person. Right. I was like, oh, that Led Zeppelin dude is he's he's, he's, he's pretty cool, right? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know about any of that. Yeah. I didn't really like. Did like I didn't know about that cult that culture necessarily. Right. So you know, did they they think that you were odd? The the the, the white kids that did play that music, did they think you were odd? Not necessarily. I mean, I, like I say, I always I ran around with a lot of Puerto Ricans growing right. up. So, and even in school, in junior high school, most of my friends were Puerto Rican, just because we took the bus to school together and all that. So, yeah. Did you fuck with Floyd, Pink Floyd? Um, I did later on. Yeah, yeah. I like Pink Floyd. It's so heavy, man. Yeah, it's, so, it's so like I, I yeah, love. Yeah, I should take acid and listen to Pink Floyd. Yeah, how did you shit. live, man? Because like Pink Floyd is so depressing. It is, and it and, is. and if you're in a bad state of mind on that acid and listening to that Floyd, like how do you even fucking function? I mean. I used to really, I really liked the early Pink Floyd. Wish you were here. That yes. was my one. Right. Like I was, I was definitely a fan of Pink Floyd, but, but, but that didn't last very long because, um, 
you know, like in junior high school, this thing came out called punk rock. Mm. And um, that shit was exciting to me. And I, st- I lived in the East Village. I live on the Lower East Side. So, so I'm seeing these people dress bugged out. What was your first introduction to punk rock? Um, I turned on Saturday Night Live. And it's funny because Glenn Friedman had the same experience. Um, and he was growing up in Beverly Hills in Brentwood. Um, but Shout when, out to Glenn Friedman. We need yeah, another ex- yeah, Glenn Friedman's too. the illest. That's yeah. my man. He's yeah. he's one of the few people who walked through with all him, the Beasties, a couple of us like who are still around. We we saw punk rock and the emergence of hip hop. Uh, but I'll get to that. So so um Saturday Night Live, nineteen seventy eight, Devo was on. Mm, and um, loved I love Devo B. Yeah, they did um they did uh what song? Jocko Homo and, and the cover of um Satisfaction. And I thought it was amazing. With the, I mean, with the caps and the whole night. They had the crazy suits. Yeah. And they were moving like robots. It was it was some shit I never seen before. And it was, but was was Devo really classified as nah? Punk they were really, they were new, new wave. wave. They yeah. were new wave. But but they were so new wave was cool before MTV came out. MTV right. kind of deaded. They yeah. it got corny. It became like a marketing tool. But but I would say they're newer and they predate punk rock. Like they were making music in 1974 in Akron, Ohio. They all went to Kent State, but. But but enough about Devo. I seen him live on the thing. I thought it was amazing. And so when we were young, Saturday Night Live, that was like what you did on the weekend, right? Yeah, this was the shit. Seventh grade. Like the f- first shift. Yeah, we're Saturday baby. Night Live. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, we're John talking Belushi. about Garrett, 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 Garrett Morris and John yeah, Belushi and yeah. Dan Aykroyd and all that. So, so you know. Lorraine Newman. Chevy Chase. Yes. Yeah, so. so Gilda. Was, <laughs> and I was like, because we didn't get high yet. That was like getting high to us. Right. That was like, oh, we're going to stay up late on Saturday Night Live. That was the shit. So. We always, on Monday, we always talk about it in school. And I was like, everyone's like, yo. I was like, yo, did you see that band? And and I was like, they were incredible. And everyone looked at me like I was fucking nuts. Everyone's like, that's the worst shit ever. <laughs> I, I started noticing there was some little change between us. Right, some, some and then, space. Um, and then I went to see Song Remains the Same that summer. Mm. And uh, I thought it was a complete piece of shit. And I, I thought that it was corny and Led Zeppelin was corny and... And I was waiting for something. I was waiting for something, and punk rock was it. Right. And um, I was into skateboarding, and and I'd look at the skateboard magazine. All my idols had turned punk rock. Right. So it was just a matter of time. So you know, I cut my hair and cut all the the sleeves off of my t-shirts, and and one shoplifting got a new wardrobe, and and bang. Hey, yo, internet. This episode of the Combat Jack Show is brought to you by the new Spotify original podcast, Mogul, The Life and Death of Chris Lighty, hosted by me, aka Combat Jack, Raging Yose, co-founder of Loudspeakers Network. This is the most important piece of work that I've ever worked on, man. This past year has been very, um, just emotional, man. It's, it's, been, it's been deep, and, and getting into the life of Chris Lighty, man, is just like one of the most amazing guys, one of the, mo- the best that ever did it. Um, Mogul tells a story, the music executive who changed hip-hop and shaped the careers of some of the most beloved, well-known, legendary acts like LL Cool J, Missy Elliott, 50 Cent, Nas Diddy, and so much more. One of the most illustrious careers in music, Lighty rose to the pinnacle of musical success before an untimely end. This story is just more than music, Internet. It's the story of the American dream. Um, Mogul, The Life and Death of Chris Lighty is a Spotify original podcast produced by Gimlet Media and of course the Loudspeakers Network. Follow and listen to Mogul starting April 27th. That's two weeks ago. Every week, every Thursday on Spotify. Motherfuckers download Spotify and start complaining. Back to the show. You know, I was Doc Doc Martens, man, or um Doc's a little later. I was more like the I was always more like a skateboard punk rock right. kid. I was like Chuck Tail Chucks okay. and and um some vans and shit like that. And and um yeah, man, I just started going to punk rock shows. I think it was eighth or ninth grade, and I think it was the summer between eighth and ninth grade. 
I started going to shows. This band we used to dig called The Stimulators, and then we saw The Bad Brains a little later after that. And by the time I was, I was getting out of ninth grade, going to high school, I uh, I was just I was into punk rock. That was my shit. And uh, I went to high junior high school with the girls in Luscious Jackson. Yes. Um, and they were a year younger than me. Well, one of them's my age. One of them's younger. Um, that crew of girls, and they were punk rock before I was, and they actually were like kind of inspirational for for me in a bit. I, you know, they were like, "Oh, come to the Max's Kansas City. Let's go see this band, The Stimulators." And and then like I was inspired by them, and I had this friend John. Well, uh, did you play? I'm sorry, did you play? I played drums. Okay, yeah, I played drums. Um, I played drums since I was a kid. My friend's dad was a famous drummer, Ed Blackwell. He was a jazz drummer, and and he kind of taught me how to play drums when I was a kid. So I always played drums a little bit. I was never great, but like I could play a little. Um, yeah, I didn't know you had all this pedigree, B. I mean, you know, it's growing up in New York. I was right. thinking about it on the way over here that, so like, where you grow up when I was a kid really defined you, right? Right. So downtown, we're always different. We're different because we know about everything first. I don't. I can't even tell you why. So there's a lot of downtown too. There's Chelsea, right, and there's Chelsea Projects, and and then there's a nice part of Chelsea. Yes. Then there's the village. The West Village is nice. And then there's like below that where the Italian cats live, like not even Little Ooh, Italy, right. but the part, it's Soho now. But like over there by like Spring Street, that was like really Italian. And where I lived, the East Village, there's the East Village and there's the Lower East Side. The East Village was above Avenue A, then there's the Lower East Side. I grew up in the Lower East Side. So where I live was grimy, but also all artistic. It was all Puerto Ricans, right? Well, but a lot, but, a lot of Latinos. Yeah, a lot. It was mostly, mostly Puerto Rican, but, yeah. but also there was weird artists there because right. it was cheap, right? So, you know, it's like my exposure level to shit was so crazy as a child. You know, like I saw so much shit and New York was so vibrant. Like, I mean, the subway train was an art gallery, yeah. right? Like you saw beautiful art on the side of the it train. It stank and, like fuck. Oh, it stank like yeah. fuck. Hell yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know. It was just an experience, yeah. you know. And, and like New York was a creative, artistic place. And living downtown for whatever the reason being... Like, it's in the air. You just see more. You know more. Things are more accessible. You, you are hipper to things quicker than anywhere else probably in the entire world. And because of that, people like the Beastie Boys or, or John-Michel Basquiat, like, gravitated here. Or Futura 2000, who's from the Upper West Side. Or Keith Haring. Or, or Keith Haring, who's from Pittsburgh. That was my dude, yeah. Or Eric Hayes, yeah. who's from the Upper West Side. Or, or me growing up there, like, all of us. And up here, I mean, Rick Rubin going to NYU. Yep. Russell, I mean, it's not an accident. Russell moved to the village. And that Run DMC's first real show in New York was at Danceteria. Right. Right? Because it, that's where the I culture moved and shaped. Man. I mean, hip-hop wasn't, wasn't, didn't start to make the worldwide moves until it went to the Roxy. Of course. It was in the Bronx. It was still segregated, right? right. It, was, it was up there. But when it came downtown and, and hip white people started to take notice, that's when it grew. So... You know, I always think this, and, and, and less so today than ever due to economics, but, like, the most progressive place in the whole world when I was growing up was downtown Manhattan. Right. And so if you grew up here, you're going to be a progressive person. Yeah. You know, that's just how it is. So so you're, you're, so you're hanging out with, um, I found out that you was hanging out with Bad Brands, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those, like, are, my, those like, are my big like, brothers. Like, how, dude? Like, so like, I was really into punk rock. Right. Um, I, saw I mean, that's, 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 that's impressive. We're talking about Bad Brains, B. I mean, I, you know, I, I, uh, I was a huge fan of them. Right. Like, uh, we all were. I mean, the Beastie Boys' name is the Beastie Boys because of the Bad Brains Beastie okay, Boys. But they, it's not were an they accident. initially, like, what, what, what were they initially? Were they, they were a punk rock band. No, but were they called the Beastie Boys? Yeah. Well, okay. they, were, they were the young Aborigines. Right. And then they became the Beastie okay. Boys. Um, so Bad Brains, Beastie Boys. Yes. Oh, that's crazy. And, 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 you know, we were big fans of the band, and, you know, you could touch your, your heroes back then, you right. know? I mean, so, 
So they just took note of us and all of us, and we became friends with them. And Daryl, the bass player, it's like my big brother. He's like, he schooled me on Mad Game. And I used to play ball with them. They lived on Avenue B. I lived a couple blocks away from them. I mean, we used to just hang. Like, we were, those were my guys. And they adopted me when I was very young. And did you think this was a special life? Or did I mean, you think it was normal? Did you think, did you like, yo, I got, I got some swag. I mean, I was so young. Right. I mean, I, I wasn't necessarily conscious. But, but I will say by the time I was in high school, I realized that 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 we were definitely different because we could go to any nightclub in New York and breeze right in when we're right. 16 years old. And that was hectic. Yeah, that's crazy, yeah. you know. And, and and um, once upon a time, I was a good-looking kid, and I realized uh, that girls liked me, you know what I mean? So so I was like, wow, I could, like, mess with this model broad over here and, like, get in any nightclub here. And, and I got $3 to my name and, you know. It, you know what? You're right, man, because, like, coming from Brooklyn, we definitely had a swag, man. We definitely yeah, had yeah, this Brooklyn kinda, dudes like, are hard. We kind of, I would say hard as well as, like, just, for, we, like, we're not like Harlem. Like, Harlem nah, dudes nah, are just Harlem's flashy. And, and loud, and I always thought that 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 Harlem is like uh, Pele Pele diamonds, you know, like yeah. bezel jacket, fur everything, fur yeah, yeah. sneakers and shit, man. Whereas I always thought we had a cool about us, but oh yeah, yeah. But when I started running with kids from the Lower East Side, I was like, what the fuck, magic shit, y'all on? Because y'all did pull all the model chicks when we were coming up, and I used to be jealous as fuck. And I was like, uh, they just live close to them. But but y'all really had that game. With, I can't with the even. Chicks. I can't even. Y'all had that game with that chick. Y'all y'all. You just reminded me, like Lower East Side cats had the chicks. I mean, right? You know, my whole the model, especially my whole when the squad model always had was, had ladies. When man. the model shit was big, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we were. That's how we did it when yeah. we were young. You know, it's like in. And these girls who we just knew who were like our friends, like, you know, some of them ended up being models, actresses. It was just how it was. You know, in downtown, like growing up downtown, you touch people who are destined for greatness far more than the rest of the, yes. the city, you know? Do you think that still exists, man? I don't. Right. I don't think so because of economics, because right. people can't afford to live in New York like that anymore. Yeah. So so if you're a struggling artist, you probably live in Bushwick. Right. You might live in, which, you know, which is, is going Jersey through change City, right now. Exactly. Way out. You yeah. might you might live in East New York soon. Right, right. Which, yeah. is, which is changing. I mean, I play that game when I'm on the train going to Rockaway. I'm like, yo, where the white people get off now? And that yeah. shit got real far. It's people getting off at Utica now. Yo, Utica, past Utica. Dude, like I'm, I grew like, up on, that's where I grew up on Utica, and I'm like, what? Yeah, that's a no white people's zone. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you a cop or a fiend if you out there. Exactly. Like. So, so okay. So you, you're living this life, man. You're hanging out with with bad brains, and and you you're growing up with the BCs, right? Like, well, well I met them. We all met each other because we were all in the same thing, the right. same scene. We're in the punk rock, and the original Beastie Boys before they were a rap group. My my one of my best friends who died, rest in peace, John Barry. Um, he he was in the band. He was a guitar player, and he was just a wild, wild cat. How did he die? Um, he he had a neurological disorder, wow. and and he had early advanced dementia, and he died. Uh, he died in 2016. Wow. He he was um one of my best friends and my running buddy growing up, and he was he was a wild ass dude. He he slayed every chick out. He was a good looking cat, and and um he was really talented. He was a great skateboarder. He was a tough kid, like. He was a wild, reckless. Like a lot of people say, they don't give a fuck. He ain't give a fuck. Right. Like he just didn't care. And he lived in this wood frame house on 100 Street and Broadway, and that's where the, the original Beasties <laughs> rehearsed, and right. that's where all our parties were. And and those guys, like I say, they were a little ahead of me. Well, he was and Galk were and Mike D. Not I think Ad Rock about the same time. Um, they were ahead of me in 
and being punk rock by like maybe a year. Right. And and the girls who were in Luscious Jackson. Right. right. And then I met them a little later, and I remember seeing them at early punk rock shows. Like, and I was like, "Oh, those guys look cool." Like, and there's like they got some cute girls with them. I need to know them. Dudes. Right, right, and somehow right. we linked up and became friends. Now, how were they, man? Like at that time, man. I mean, they were cool. Right. I mean, we, you know, we were little kids, man. Everyone, everything was was brand new. You know, it was like, I mean, there's you know, as long as I've known them, and and I don't see them much anymore. I don't right. want to overstate my friendship with those cats, but uh, they're they're good dudes, you know. And we were like. Young, young men like sowing our oats, so, you know, we, we all hung out. I mean, me and John were, were more reckless than the rest of them. We were a little wilder, and we had this other group of friends who had a punk rock band called Frontline that, that the Beasties ended up covering one of their songs later on, Time for Living. Um, and we just ran around. We had a crew, like a little gang called the Westbeth Posse, and if you look at a Bad Brains record, they shouted us out on one of the records. And we just used to wild out, man. We were, you know... We was just wild kids running the streets, writing graffiti, skateboarding, getting in fights, you know, hanging out with chicks, going to nightclubs. It was, you know, 16 years old, we were doing grown man shit and, yeah. and, and having more fun than any of you guys who are, who are bottle service suckers going to clubs now. Yeah, that shit didn't even fucking, I don't even understand what that shit is. Yeah, that shit didn't even exist. Yeah, not at all. So, so how did the transition happen from punk, which you were heavily into, like obviously the pedigree yeah, yeah, yeah. is undoubtable. To hip-hop, like, how was that switch? Um, punk rock started getting stale to us. It started right. getting corny, because, like I said, we're progressive cats, and and um, no knock on, on the, the next wave of kids who came in. So there was punk rock, and that's the Ramones in them. Yes. So we were hardcore kids, New York hardcore, which was, like, the evolution of punk rock, and that's, like, bands like Black Flag mm-hmm. in L.A. and and the Bad Brains. And, mm-hmm. Did and you fuck with... Uh, Minor Threat. Yeah, and, did you fuck with Sid Vicious? And- no, nah, I like that stuff, but that's that's not my, my era. That's before right. us. Okay. And, and then people to us were like, um, they were they were old news to us. You right. know what I mean? We were like, get out with your leather pants. It's yeah. not us. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. We're in camouflage. Yeah. It's different. Um, and and you know the hair got shorter, and we weren't wearing spikes and all that. Right? That wasn't our flow. And um, the next wave of kids started coming, and and there were a lot of them from Queens, and and they were a li- li- little um, tougher than us probably they were a little more violent and it got it got a little more neanderthal mm-hmm. and a lot of these bands are my friends so i'm not knocking none of them right, i right. love love them all sick of it all and murphy's law and then those were our friends but agnostic front but it got a little too much for, for all of us and and we we all we liked rap music already right because because it was cool to us i guess in england they like reggae right they like dub and right. the punks and, and so we like rap music our favorite right. our favorite bands black guys who play punk rock right so so we were listening to you know, hip hop. What was your first rap experience? Um, I think I want to say Rapper's Delight. Yeah. You know, I remember Rapper's Delight, and I, and I remember my man in sixth or seventh grade, Columbus Van Horn. You had to call him Jack. You called him Columbus. You got socked. He he told me, um, I'm gonna give you this tape, and he gave me a, a, a Grandmaster Flash tape, Fifty Beats, the original one, and it had all it had Birthday Party on it before it came out, all that shit. And I, and I was hooked kind of since then. And it, it was like, it reminded me of disco. And, and when we were punk, like in disco wasn't that cool really right. and, until like the Tom Tom Club came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Then it became cool, Tom like Tom Talking Club Heads, because they embraced heads. disco, you know yes. what I mean? Like dance music. Hey, yo, internet. Support for this episode of the Combat Jack Show comes from Bevel. You've heard about the signature fade with the Bevel blade, but what about a trim? If you've been patiently waiting for the Bevel trimmer, the wait is over, internets. All orders are shipping now. Yo, go to getbevel.com slash jack. And for a limited time, when you buy the bevel trimmer, you'll get the first month of this amazing shaving system for free. Internets, I never lied to you. I never steered you wrong. That's getbevel.com slash jack. 
get that bevel, yo. Back to the show. That was like when rap started. Right. And 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 then African Bambada, of course, came out when I was in high school, 82. Um, and, and that was cool. Electro started started showing itself. Before that, we like Spoonie G, though. I remember yeah. like digging all those records. Uh, Funky 4 plus one more sequence, get on up. We, we were fucking with all that. It was, you know what's crazy, man? Like back in when I was in high school, like um, when I would listen to Mr. Magic, mm-hmm. um, it was the lines were blurred between new wave, 100%. punk, and hip hop because it was the same energy. I mean, Liquid Liquid was, was a new wave record. Right. And that became the message, of course. Yeah, exactly. The white lines it became right, 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 yeah. right. No, but that was like I remember, like when Ma- Magic would go off, and then the next thing would be like the new wave shit and I would just listen because yeah. I was like I was so amped off the hip hop and I was like oh this is I mean Electro was was incorporating new wave car. into black music right. right and and new wave where it was was corny but when black people like Prince yes. grabbed new wave new right. wave became ill right right because new wave was like a little corny but like you know when black cats grabbed new wave it was next well, when it level. got funkier when it yeah, when when, when the beats like when when I when I first heard um Prince's song, um, because I wasn't a big Prince fan as much as um, Lady. Was it the Lady Cat or the Cab Drive? That yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. I heard that shit on on the on the show after Mr. Man. I mean, the new wave shit that he does like dance music, sexual man. Yeah, yeah, shit yeah, like yeah, yeah, that yeah. Controversy. Yeah. Those were like the new wave records. Yeah. I mean, and that's even a little later. Like, so so new wave affected electro music deeply. Like shit, like you ain't really down by Status Four yes. and, and records like that. Those are very new wave influence records. And of course, African Man Bada. Of course, um, you know, changed the game. No, like and, I didn't even understand. Electro that was was very new wave influence, right. and then of course Blondie came out with Rapture. Yeah. So, well, did you did, because you were in Sat because you were into Saturday Night Live, man? Did you see when she introduced the Funky Four Plus One? Oh, that was amazing. Did you see that shit? I was incredible. I was just, I was just, I that was, was just, I was just, I was just showing my, my my girl the video, like, yeah. like yo, like you don't understand how amazing this was. That that was the first rap group ever. ever. That was amazing, and I mean, they were a real rap group. They weren't like because I hated, I hated the Sugar Hill Gang. Right, I didn't really know what the Sugar Hill Gang's flow was. Like, right. I found out later they were they were frauds. Right, 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 right. You know, although it's it's actually ill, man. I just spoke to um, Master G mm-hmm. from the Sugar Hill Gang, man, and he, he, he for serious, and he was like, "Yo, they all wrote their rhymes except for Hank." He but they thought Hank rhymes. was the official one. Right. So they said after like the the uh, rappers' delight blew up, and they were all happy, and they had to write their second album. They were like Hank wasn't writing, and they were getting these rumors. And after a while, they were like, like Hank for real, like like you are the first sucker MC, like you know what I mean. But it was like wow. this little internal struggle, man. But so how does Beasties like how when you're with the Beasties, man? How does how do their influences start going? Like what tells them so, so we can start fucking rapping? So we. We were pretty, you know, like we punk rock was getting stale to yes. us. Yeah, and we would go to this place, the Fun Gallery, mm-hmm. and it was really me and Mike D. That was my running partner back then, and, right. and we uh, we caught wind of the club and the grill. I want to say mm-hmm. Ramal Z or Doze, because that was a man, Doze Green, right. um, the artist. He he was our boy. Um, he hipped us to I think the grill, and we went to the second one, 1981, and and um, Ramal Z was on the mic. We knew who Ramal was. And I, I want to say, um, I want to say Islam was on the wheels, but mm. I could be wrong. Um, Islam and and Bam, and we seen real live rapping in front of us. 
Um, I had seen The Clash and seen Grandmaster Flash get booed already. At the Bond, when they yeah, did the Bond? Bonds, yeah, because yeah. that was big when when when, yeah, that, when and, the and Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five opened up for... 100%. And yeah, the, Clash, for, for the, Clash. the Clash, whether you know it or not, they had rapping records, kind of Magnificent Seven, yeah. they were damn near rapping and, and Radio play, Clash. Still, still classic. Yeah, those are classic. Right. And they got played in black clubs. Those yeah. were like Bambata played those records at Roxy. So so there was this culture exchange going on. And, and you know, it seemed like the next logical step. Like, we're progressive kids and we're like, this is corny. And rap music felt like punk rock to us, right? It, it was musically very different, but do-it-yourself music. It was primal. We felt like we felt raw. like it was wide open. Right. We could we could be part of it. Right. And I remember hearing um, hearing the early Soul Sonic Force shit and going like, "Oh, this just sounds like Kraftwerk. This sounds like you know new wave to us." And and I will say that um, the Beasties they worked hard at their craft. Rick Rubin shaped them a lot. Ad Rock was a brilliant, brilliant cat, though, always. He was innately, um, you know, he was innately part of hip-hop. He understood it very early on, quickly. And and he, he helped program the drums when I need a beat. No one knows that. Um, and him and Rick were had a symbiotic relationship, but but he was a late addition to the Beasties. The Beasties right. were a punk rock band. John quit the band because he, he just wasn't into it anymore. Um, they had a girl in the band. Kate Schellenbach was a drummer. Rick pushed her out of the band and helped form them as a band. He really dug in deep with them. And and I don't once again don't want to overstate my my importance in any of it because I was around Rick and them in the dorm a bit, but but I was like also, you know, living my own life. And um I did really see him add the sauce to him and Russell too. And and um, you know, he encouraged the rock star shenanigans that would come later. Right. Did you think that these guys would fucking blow? Well actually I we you know, I was on the fence because she's on it, which was supposed to be the big record when the when the deal happened at Sony didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Right? The record didn't go down. And and it was it was like who knows? And L was connecting, you know, he had you know, I need to be connected and she's on it, didn't connect. And um their back was against the wall and, and I didn't know. And I clearly remember going to see them at the Apollo when they played with Run DMC as when Slow and Low had just come Slow Brilliant and Low record. and I mean, and brilliant record. That, that, that's probably one of my favorite. That's probably and, and holding now hit it. Yeah, yeah. Right. So that was the A and B side. So, so they played at the Apollo. It was an all black audience. They opened for a Run. They came out. People were not feeling them. They started addressing the crowd. They kind of got the crowd hyped because they're like, "Do you want to see our boys run DMC?" And people were like, they're like, and Ad Rock was like, "Do you want to see our boys run DMC?" It was like, "Yeah." Right. So it was like they started getting people hyped. They dropped slow and low. Bong, the 808 drop. People was like, "Oh shit!" These white boys, these white boys. And I seen up. people start get into it, right, right? But people didn't really know that record yet, right? And then they did "Hold It Now," hit it. People knew that record because it was getting played on the radio. No one knew they were white. People lost their fucking minds. It's crazy. The so whole you Apollo, saw them rock the, Apollo. the whole Apollo was standing up, going, "Go white boys, yeah, yeah. go white boys!" Like the whole Apollo. I never seen anything That's like crazy. that. I remember Bismarcky. Came, got backstage and was like, did the beatbox for holding out, hit it to us. And we're like, who the fuck is this guy? And and it was just like a wild ass scene. And 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 just the energy around it, I was like, I just remember when I when they dropped holding now, hit it at the Apollo. I was like, oh, my boy's about to be famous. You and, knew, you knew. And, that. and and they had just come off a tour, a little mini run on opening the Fresh Fest, and I heard it was going really well. Right. And so, but I hadn't seen it for myself. And then when I seen that, I was like, oh, my boy's about to be real famous. Right. And we did it. They did a show later that night. <laughs> it's just so crazy. We rent. They rented this. I say we. They rented this 
bus to take everyone from the Apollo to the world. And then they played the world oh, right after shit. they did two shows at oh, the Apollo. Shit, the world. And it was wild. It was like, I mean, you know, it was pretty apparent to all of us it was about to happen. These guys, so you saw it. Yeah, and Rick yeah. was already, already, you know, close to being famous himself. Right. So. Because you know, of Def Jam, because yeah, because yeah, and the, and the battery, he was the battery behind it. Right. When you know he was a tremendous producer, so you know from there you saw it. How was Russell man back in those days? Oh, he was man. greatest. He yeah. was the greatest ever. He was yeah. the coolest guy you ever. Yeah, you just want to hang around him. His aura was ill. I mean, Russell. Always he had talk, bitches. Yeah, he was he, he smoking about, dust. He always talks about how he was always high, and he was always ah. Uh, he was smoking but, Newports. But, he looked Newport? older then than oh, now. He was so grimy. He was but a what, grimy cat. What made him so special? What was He's it about? Larger than life, charismatic cat. He was funny, charming. Gregorious, grandiose, but approachable. Um, always had the ill slang. Half half our slang came from him. He was just the coolest, funkiest cat out. Like he was just, and he was like fucking every bad bitch. He was, oh, he like was a, on the model. He was our role model. Like we were like, <laughs> look at this mother. Look and at he's, this and, cat. And he's, a, oh, he's older than he was older than everybody. He's oh yeah, a, he was. A, he was that. It felt like he was ten years old. He's yeah. probably only five years old. Nah, Russ, nah, Russell. How old is Russell? I'm fifty one. Yeah. At, Yauk will nope. be 53. Russell's Mike like 58, 51. 58. 58. Okay, I think so. Russell's either 58 or 59. He's okay, so he had five still, plus on us. So he was running hard, B. Hard. Hard. He was he was inventing the game. And, <laughs> and he was like, he's ill because he's a black man from Queens who put himself in the middle of all the downtown cool shit. Right, right, he right. was like, I'm the coolest black man. Fuck it. Yeah, and it's and funny because he put the flag down hard. Yeah, but that, you know, it, it goes to Jessica again. Because this is when Jessica was at the door. But I was a little later. Okay. So a little later. And, okay, and, so he was. And, and I, I remember clearly how we all met her. Right. So we said, this is the... We Wait, hold on, hold on. Before you met, how did you meet Russell? Like, how... The, do you remember the first um, time you met Russell? From the Beastie Boys, yeah. 100%. And yeah. they were like, this is our man. He's And I was I was the crazy one. I was the one who always had, like, a broken hand or a black eye. Right, right, like, right. I was always going to jail. Was I was two like, for shit. I was the wildest with stealing right. shit. Yeah, yeah. Sucking, selling drugs. I was like, <laughs> okay, I was just fucking... I was terrible. You know, I was just like, always had some bitch who was like paying for everything. I was just fucked up. Right. I was a bad person. Yeah. A reckless little really? kid. It's crazy that you acknowledge that. I though. was a reckless little kid. Right, right. Were I you mean, angry? Were you angry? I was, oh, yeah, I was what angry. What were you angry at, man? Um, I had a dysfunctional upbringing. You know, my mom was a bad alcoholic. My and pops, pops was, was gone. Away. And, yeah, 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 and, yeah. And um, I didn't have any, I had really no parental guidance from the age of like 14 on. In the Lower East Side. Well, we moved to Brooklyn. Okay. We moved to Brooklyn. Where, when, where, where? We moved to like, uh, like, Pretty far out near King's Highway because okay. we were poor, and that's the only place we could afford a, a decent house. Right. And my mom was teaching school, but she was like a total alcoholic. So my life was absolutely dysfunctional. I had no parental guidance. No one could tell me shit. And from the age of like 15, 14 to 15 on, I, I literally had no parental guidance. And um, yeah, my, my family life was fucked up. It was like at that. My mom, God bless, got it together later on in life, but she she lost a solid 10 years of her life to, to you know, alcoholism. Right, 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 right. So anyway, so so you meet Russell. How do you meet Jessica? Like, t tell us how you meet. So so, I used to be scared of. This her is how we met Jessica three we, years ago. We started going to Nell's like yeah. opening night. She wasn't the door girl, and and they let us in. They were like, "Oh, it's the cool guys." And and I had this theory too. It's still all this day when you when you show up someplace just like a bum, you're inappropriate. You get right in. Yeah. So if I rolled up on my skateboard with a backwards baseball hat, I got right in. Right, right, right. That's just how it works. So so we started going there, and and Russell made it his clubhouse. And this is when I don't know if you remember the first cell phones when they had a big case yeah. in them. Yeah, yeah. Russell had a cell phone, right? Big ass like phone, half a phone book. Yeah, it was like a briefcase. Yeah. And and it had a phone. You had to charge it and. 
We used to go to Nell's in front. Yo, Russell, let us use the phone. <laughs> we'd get on the phone in front, <laughs> trying to be cool. And we'd like call a girl, like, like I remember, like, Adra. I was like, yeah. I'm on a cell phone. <laughs> Why don't you come meet us at Nell's? Yo, that's, like that. that's crazy. Wild, right? We were yeah. just at totally Nell's. At Nell's, fronting hard. Yeah. With like 16 cents between us. That's crazy, man. And it was before they broke big. Right. And, and she was a waitress there. Fast forward, we went there one night. It was me, Lior, and she always says, it's me, Lior, Sean, Karazov, rest in peace, Captain Pissy, the man who road managed the Beastie Boys, unsung hero, was part of the whole... DNA that was the Beastie Boys, English cat. He had worked for Madness and the Specials, The Clash. Mm. He was older than us. He was, I think, six years older than me. Damn, you said Madness. That's crazy. yeah. He he was from England. He was like an early punk rock yeah, real yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. He looked like the ever. He looked like Robert Conrad. He was like, yeah. He had a flat top. He was a short dude, good looking cat, mad tough, and um, he also signed Tribe Called Quest. He was an A and R job right. later on. So so it was, he was my running buddy. He told me how to drink and calm me down and I was with him and Lior we used to always hang out and we went to Nell's on a Friday night we thought we were big time we were buying Lior bought a bottle of Verve Clicquot for $45 that's big that was big, big. that was big Jessica yeah. was there chilling she was working there I think she was a door girl she started talking to us right. we met her we started hanging out with her and we instantly bonded with her and we became friends with her and I thought she was hot um and and I don't know, man. She just became part of our crew, That's like real crazy, quick. B. And then from from there, she met Russell, and she was the door girl, and became like part of our clique. She was just down with us from day one. And 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 I will say, like, she was a white girl then. This was way before she was she was funky fresh. Right, right. And and I think this is. I'll blame us for for turning her out. She started hanging out with us. And you guys gutted her out. That was man. it. It was done after that. She she got funky. Yeah. You know, so but her attitude was always the same. Though. Her attitude. She was always old. had. She, she always a, had that that mean she's a attitude. Tough bitch, yeah, yo. yeah. She's now having it. Fucking she tough. tough, be like. Tough. I used to just be thankful she would let me in the. You spots, know, it's crazy man. though. She was like always real sweet to me, and, right? And I never, you know, she she introduced me to um, a woman I went out with for eight years. She's okay. like my sister. She's one of the only people in the whole world who has had almost the same experience as me. So, so you know, I've remained friends with her. Why, and, why didn't and, that work, man? What happened with that? Nah, me and her wasn't. That's not not meant to be. Okay, she's, she's my homegirl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, me and her like I'm strictly in the friend zone with Jessica for life. Yeah. I'll keep it over there because I don't want to. I don't want to never knock it in the club. Yeah, yeah. Still, you know, so 2017. Know, still, man. You know, she she was known to regulate. Yeah, but yeah. she's mad cool, man. Yeah, she so, is, man. She and she, is. she 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 has um, you know, we came up together. We made our bones together. Yeah. It's like you know, her and and Captain and the Beasties and and even Lior like. We, you know, Lior was. was How was Lior, man? How was Lior? He was a fucking asshole. Really? But he was my asshole. Right. You know, you know what it, you like, know what you, that's you, like. Yeah, yeah. He's I mean, he was a shooter. Uh, he's mean. Right. He was mean. He but was mean, right? He was mean. Right. Uh, man, he used to abuse me. I worked for him. He right. abused me. He was abusive. Right. But but what, also what loving. What kind of shit would he do that was that was abusive? Uh, just scream and yell. He never talked like a normal person. <laughs> right. And just berate you, belittle you. You are so stupid. You, like shit uh, like that. Dante, you are such a stupid fuck. Did that affect you, man? I mean, it made me tough. Right, made but, me then, but, you, but you, when he was doing it initially, uh, you yeah, feel sad? Like, when you like that motherfucker. Yeah, yo. but okay, how did this thing become a job? Like, you're hanging with so, him. So, you're hanging with I was, Russell. You're I was hanging working with the in a restaurant. Yo, this guy has the I'm best working, fuck. You I'm need a in fucking a movie. <laughs> <I went laughs> yo, <laughs> Mogul. Mogul next season, Dante Ross. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going out with this girl. She's bad. 
Lior liked my girl. This is real talk. Uh-oh. He became my good friend, but it started because he was loving my girl. He was, was, was getting, getting too close? No play. Nah, was he getting, he was getting, nah. Yeah. So you weren't even jealous. Leo looked like Herman Munster. Yes, man. yes, he did. I'm a, but I'm yeah, a, we, I was we, a pretty we, motherfucker. Come we on, described man. him as Lurch on, on, on yeah, the mogul. Man. But he was like, he was mad tough. I'll right. give it to him. He's, he's a fearless cat. I've been in some plate, some places with Leo where he didn't flinch. I'm like, man, this guy got it. Right. He got that Israeli shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so the rumor so, is like his parents were like, fuck, his dad was a mer- like fucking. His, his dad was a diamond merchant. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And right. he didn't grow up with his dad. He grew up with his mom. Right, right, okay. Um, so, so. Lior just took a shine to me, man. He he loved me. He he thought I could do something. Sean co-signed me. I was working in a restaurant. I was making really good money. What restaurant, man? I worked at Tortilla Flats. Okay. So I was a waiter there at this place called Gulf Coast. Did you like the job, man? Hated that fucking yeah. job. But you gives good money. So I made like $1,000 cash a week, banged everything that moved, yes. and had a living girlfriend. Yes. Right? So I was, buying, Were you buying drugs now, though? I was, yeah, a little I, bit. I was, fucking with, the, I was little, fucking with the Chi-Chi a yes, little bit. Yes, I mean, hey, I mean, that's, listen. That was the years. It was that's the how years, we did it back then. I'm not mad at those years, man. Yeah, you know, so, so, <laughs> so I was, you know, and, and I wasn't going nowhere. I didn't. I was like, man, I'm gonna be a 30 year old motherfucker starring at a restaurant. Right. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like all the dudes I was working with were fucking trying to be actor guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I wasn't trying to do that. I'm not trying to be an actor. And, and Sean, I was like, man, I need a job. And he convinced Leo to give me a job. And I remember going from making close to $1,000 a week to making $216 a week. Damn, you're lucky. And that I was, mean, and they weren't taking my taxes. Actually, out. I'm sorry, I'm lucky. Because when I first, I, I got out of law school. And at first, they didn't pay me shit. And then Andy Tavel. Oh, who was my lawyer? Andy Tavel was Andy the Tavel's first. Andy very lo- important in my story. Andy Tavel was the first. He was he's very important. He's he's the first person that hired Love me. Love Andy. And I have a, a story similar to yours. He like, didn't let me. He 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 didn't give me G easy though. That fuck. Weren't he nah. didn't. But 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 Andy was arguing with Russell like motherfucker. Oh, you yeah, got a black go. dude working for you. Pay the fucking man. He's got a fucking law degree, and they finally paid me like two fifty a week. Man, which which which, which you yeah, know, with them dudes is cheap, cheap, bro. right? So anyway, you're making like two nineteen a I week. Mean, Leor is still cheap, <laughs> yo. That's a cheap man. But um, did you like the job? Did you like the job? I I liked it and hated it. What, I loved what did that. you hate about it? I didn't like getting yelled at by right. Leor. You're right, right. You know, I didn't like being the lowest man on the totem pole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but, but that said, I also had access to tons of shit. Mm-hmm. I got to be friends with Run DMC. Yes, Jay was my man. I played ball with them. I got the got yelled at by Run. Um, and this is Rush. You, you're working at Rush, Rush specifically. The Rush right. Productions. Right, right. On and, Elizabeth. Yeah, and I was the office messenger. I took Ricky Powell's job. Right. Um, and Ricky, you did delivering. Delivering. Leo's lunch. Yeah. What the like fuck that. did he eat, man? He, he liked Chinese food. Really? Yeah, he was big on Chinese food. He'd be like, I said shrimp fried rice, you <laughs> fucking idiot. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, damn. Yeah, he was tough. And, and running up to Sony a lot. And <laughs> this is the best. One day, I, I like. I was going up to Sony. I was like, yo, you know what? Like, I see these guys up here at work. I'm going to dress fly. I'm going to start. I got a briefcase. I got a briefcase. Did you Imagine have slacks on, man? I put on some Benetton joints. Okay. Trying to be fly. I had a little Lacoste or some shit. <laughs> trying to be fly. I had my hair done. Like Specifically had, to go to the black oh, building. Oh, yeah. And I had like I had like an envelope in a briefcase. I'd have shit. <laughs> I'd have, like bring like an envelope to Donnie Einer's office or some shit. And, and I fucking went up there and. And I actually have did it so they wouldn't treat me like shit when I had to deliver a package, yeah, yeah. right? So, like, I went up there and I came back and Russell seen me. He's like, motherfucker, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, yo, chill. I was feeling myself. And he was like, yo, don't ever dress like that again. I was like, fuck. He's like, you see me? 
I was like, yeah, you look like a bum. He was like, that's right. They pay me to look like a bum. Mm. I dress like this. They think I know everything. Mm. So when you chance. start dressing like them, you ain't getting shit. Yep. He's like, I'm going to tell you right now, never get rid of the briefcase. Don't ever dress like that again. And I, I, I realized what he was saying. That was my first experience with that when I went to interview. Oh, you tried to be fly? Like, I had a suit on. I mean, he that's, didn't like that's, bougie how, dudes. that's how I was trained. I had a suit yeah. on. I had the fucking hard shoes and the briefcase. And Andy walks me in the office. He said, what the fuck are you doing wearing a suit in my office? I shouldn't fucking hire you. Yeah, that's right. And I was like, what? He got and it, then, and, then, and then I got it, though. Yeah, and I, you he, know, he took right. me, took me a, and, and I mean, I, I wore suits eventually, but I, you know, I, I hate these bitches, right? Unless I have to wear them. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? I don't mind wearing a suit these days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, last night was the first time in a long you time. Like, fly, Thank you, yeah, man. Thank piece. you. Thank you. Yeah. Yo, so you're on the road now. You how do you go go from being like the messenger, um, like, like like going on the road and road so, managing? So, so Sean was my man. He was a BC's road manager. He was like, you could do this shit. It's you're organized when you want to be. So yeah. So you know, I just like Russell was. I mean, Leo was like, yo, you got to go do this. Go do that. Take Eric be here. Do this. Do that. I just started doing it. I have no choice. And it was a step up. It was a way to get up. My man Tony Rome, who bro managed LL, mm. took me under the wing, took me on the road with him, had me do the advanced stuff, which basically was the shittiest job. You got to do radio in the morning, I had to go wake everyone up for him and then get them all in the lobby to go to radio, and then I'll go to radio with them. So I'm the first one up and probably the last one to go to sleep. I was yeah. Tony Rome's slave. Yeah, yeah. But God bless Tony Rome. Yeah, I don't and know the, dis now, the discipline, I mean, me, the discipline for that, man. Yeah. 100%. Like, was it hard, though, man? Because, like, you know, like, like once again, we're, we're doing this, like, this, this mogul story. We're talking about, like, when Chris was road managing the Jungle Brothers, yeah. man, and, and how you really got to be the wrangler. Hard. Yeah. That shit is super hard, especially think about Rock M. He right. don't like to show up for nothing. How, 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 was, how was that back in the day? He still doesn't. I mean, it was cool because, right. um, Eric B and Rakim. It was B. cool because Rakim is the best dude ever. Yeah. I love him. It's my man, Raz. He's a, he's a king. Eric B was a bully. Yeah. You know what it is. Um, Did he try know? to bully you? I mean, yeah. When I when I stopped working for him, he threatened me. Right. You know, he was like, I can't believe you. I should fuck you up. I, I blessed about, you with about the chain. What? About what? Who knows, right, man? Right. You, know, yeah. you know, bullies are bullies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so... So, and I'm also like, I'm not scared of bullies because, like, I grew up with dudes who would, like, knock you out, stab you, and take your sneakers. Right, right. So, like, to me, I'm like, yo, we'll do it if you're doing it. Like, you know, talk about it as bullshit. Just yeah. fuck me up if you're fucking me up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, I'm immune to all that. And Leor, too, is immune to it. Like, I've seen people say the wildest shit to Leor, and he just looks at him like, fuck out of here. You know, so, see, that's part of it. Yeah. So, so... I mean, it was a great experience. I, I I love Ra. He's a great dude. And you're traveling too. Traveling. Yeah. What was the know? craziest place you traveled at the time? I mean, Europe. Yeah. You know, shit like that, going on the the Concord and, right. and all that. That's crazy, man. Yeah. I we, never made the Concord. We had to get him on the Concord because it was non-refundable, and and it was like he just kept missing the flights. And I, I literally this, took this him. Is him. I took him from. He was. He told this story too. He's like, "You motherfucker! I'll never forget this." I took him from a show at Red Parrot. Mm -hmm. Back to the hotel, Penn South. Mm -hmm. He thought he was going home to pick his shit up. I had his brother take his shit and put it in a car for him already. And we went to JFK and we, I mean, we went to Newark and Newark. left. That's crazy. And left on the Concord. And he was like, why fuck we going to Jersey? I was like, don't worry. And we went. I hoodwinked him. That's how you got to do it, man. Yeah, man. That's, that, who else did you road manage, man? That's it, really. That was, okay. I mean, I've been on the road with lots of people. Right, 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 right. the only one. So how did your shit go from this to, to a and man? So I came back. I didn't have a job. I knew. What happened to your job? I mean, I had like. I'm a road manager now, yeah. so you know I'm office messenger again. It's like whatever. Yeah. You know I've already here and I'm going back here. Right, right. So you were tired. 
I'm tired. I was over it. Yeah. Lior was like, I want you to go work in Kara Lewis's office. You'll be my spy. You work for Kara. Talent agents. Yeah, I went to work for Kara at William Morris. How no, was that? it wasn't William Morris. It was Norby Walters. Norby Walters. That was How- fucking horrible. She's the meanest person I ever worked really? for. Really? Another mean person? I mean, she made Lior look like Jesus. Like she was unbelievable. <laughs> Yo, she was so evil to me. And and I was really. Why? Was she evil? Everybody was. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and and you know she was just mean to me and and um but but at the same time no lie I was spying for Lior straight up the whole time I'm looking you at who's touring what doing what he wasn't giving me a check I didn't know you could double dip back then right right but but I, you were getting a check from her yeah a yeah, small yeah. check yeah yeah and um uh, you talk about that I man you talk about not knowing how to double dip back yeah, then yeah I'm not I didn't know I didn't Puffy is that. the king of double dipping oh man if I knew what he, if I just you know I, I was never ruthless like right. that like you you were producing records not yet not okay, yet that's no, coming that's right, right, coming okay so so Daddy O nominates me for an A&R job at Tommy Boy. Mm-hmm. Why um, Daddy O? What's your relationship with Daddy That's my man. I yeah. knew him from going on the road. Because Stetsa wasn't... Um, Tommy Boy was at war with, with Lior and them. Yeah. They didn't want to give Stetsa shine at radio. I used to take them to radio with me. So Daddy O was like, oh, I love this kid. He like, he's looking out cause. Daddy O's such a good And here's kid. the reason why. Because Stetsa was my shit. They used to play that in the quarters and people get knocked out. Your Ghost, chain got stolen. Yeah. That was that was one of the all-time most aggressive songs. That yeah. and PSK yeah. are the start of Riot that, songs. That, uh, PSK and uh, MC. South Bronx. Also like the, yeah, South Bronx. Ego tripping. Ego tripping. That's yeah, those, those are yeah. Tuck, tuck Your Chain records. Exactly. Yeah, J. Rue the Damager later on. That's yeah, exactly. One. You get punched in the mouth. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shook so, ones too. Kill a man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, those are records that get people beat up. Yeah, exactly. So, so, and I, you know, that's that's like that's what hip hop's about, of course, right? So, so, um, he nominated me for the gig. They had offered it to him. Monica hit me up. Um, I had an interview, and she played me the demo for Plug Tuning. I lost my mind. She called me two weeks later. You said they were like. It was Ultra? Slick Rick meets Ultra Magnetic. That's, That's the only thing I could compare it to because right. it was so different. And and those were, to me, the two most left-field groups. Right. Right? I love Slick Rick. How were those guys when they were younger, man? Uh, uh, De La. They were cool. Yeah. They, were, they were great. Yeah. They're the best. They're still yeah. the best. I yeah. spoke to Paz two days ago. Yeah. Did you know that Mace was the thug of the crew, man? I did because me and him were the dudes always getting in trouble together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Me and him went to Philly one time and jacked up the limo driver. We all fucked up the limo? <laughs> Why? He tried to bring his girl in the car and talk crazy to us, and we were having it. was like, yo, she's out the <laughs> yeah. car, and he got, he got sunned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, me and Mace, they used to be like you two together. It's yeah. no good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were just always in trouble together. Yeah, Mace told me the craziest story, man. Yeah, me about, and him used to get, get in trouble. He told me the craziest story about how he had to move out of Brooklyn. And moved to, I mean, I'm not going to get into it, but he had to. Yeah, Mace is a wild His, kid. Like, I didn't know, he, you know, you hear Daylight. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's the records. Talk, yeah. B, Biddy's in the BK Lounge. Yeah, you know, yeah, they yeah, yeah. About, you know, them kids from Long Island, like them, they were getting in fights all over the country yeah. late, later on. Of course. Because everyone thought, you know, they were they soft, were soft right. right, and they so weren't. So, they're your first signing. Um, so, I'm going to say Monica really signed them. Okay. And Monica right? was amazing, right? Yo, Monica Lynch is the most unheralded person in the history of the game. She invented... Like cross branding, like when she did the Carhartt Stussy mm. Tommy Boy jacket, she made the brand so prominent and important. She understood branding like no one else. Before people were talking about the shit, she innately did it. Right, King, just remind me. I've been talking to Monica. Yeah, you for need years to get her on. on the show. 
But I do need to have one. She, you know, I have a couple of mentors in my life: Captain right. Pissy, Russell, Lior, and and Monica Lynch. That's that's, like, that's a great line. I mean, man. she's amazing. Yeah. So so she gave me the job. Right. Let me let me ask you. Let me keep. They hate when I interrupt. But how was Tom, man? How was Tom Silverman? Uh, is, is it weirdo? I'm not fucking with him. Man. Right. Right. To this day, I mean, I'm I'm civil with him, and I have to give him his props and respect. But but Tom is. It's not, you know, that's not my guy. She's right. my people. I got you. You know, I got so, you. So, um, but Monica. Oh, now, she's amazing. She's now, Tom, they should call the Monica boy. Tom that? Silverman. That's Tommy Boy Records, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so she gives me the job, and that's the first thing she puts in my lap. Bang. You know that group? I signed them. It's you. You're going to work with them. I meet them. We're enamored by each other. I'm the crazy white kid. They're fucking, he's bugged out. You know, they're the most eccentric cats yeah, I, yeah. I'd ever seen in rap. But, but. Reminded me of all my friends from downtown because my boys all had flat tops. Yeah, yeah. Was wearing striped shirts. And these cats shirts. were definitely different. They were different, but you know they fit in with what was going on in the village. Mm -hmm. You know, so it all made sense. I saw that. I was just tripping more on anything that they were that progressive from Long Island. Right, right. So, and but and, but if you look back, man, a lot of progressive groups are from Long Island. I mean, you talking about PE, you talking about Eric B and Rock. You know why, right? Because I mean, they got room. They got they got a little bit of air. They got right. a little. They got these they got little a basement. Yeah, they're middle class. They got class. a basement to make a little studio. They're middle class, right. but it's still hood. It's middle class. Amityville's hood. hood. Yeah, and they're hood. reading books. Hood. I mean, they're smart. Fucking. They the, escape. They're yeah, trying exactly. to live the dream. Exactly. They might have a basement with a little yeah. setup. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I but think... Long Island always fucked me up too because I thought it was some like you know like Hicktown and all these fucking prolific. Yeah, yeah. A lot of lot Public of motherfuckers. Enemy. Yeah, Bismarck, I mean, whatever DMC, the fuck. Exactly. I mean, a lot of people yeah. from from I mean Buster. Yeah. yeah leaders. Definitely. Leaders. I mean, uh, Fife. Yes. KMD. Yes. It goes on and on. Yes. Yes. Yeah, they're yes. like they're like the last wave of the golden era. Is right. all Long Island shit. Yeah, definitely, you man. Know? So 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 daylight. Yeah, they were dropped in my lap. It was a pleasure to work with them. I knew Paul already. Um, Paul Thanks, was Paul. my man from Stetsa stuff. Right. Um, I saw him last night. He's a great dude. I missed him last night. Yeah, man. he was there last night. He's amazing. He's the best dude ever. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was a pleasure. And the first thing I technically signed was Queen Latifah. Mm. Yeah, so. T tell us that story, man, because I love, I heard you tell it on um, Mic Check. Okay, so. And I love, you know, how Red Alert, man, like the ecosystem oh, yeah, between him greatest. sending you and then you sending him. Like, oh, tell that story, man. So, and tell so, us why Red Alert is so, the greatest so, person well, in hip-hop. Backtrack a little. I'm working at Rush. Yeah. I'm going to Latin Quarters. There's no white people in the Latin Quarters. There's MC Search, Funk and Klein, and me. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. Right? Search and is busy dancing. Search is busy dancing. But that's why I met Search and linked with him. Yeah. Um, Red Alert's there. I, I end up going upstairs in the booth, I hang out with Red, becomes my man. I had the honor of, of literally giving him Bring the Noise test press, mm. right? Because they had me run around and give test press to people. So he liked me, I gave him Bring the Noise, I'm on, right? He's like, this kid brought me heat. So he's my man, he lived uptown. Occasionally I roll out with him. I lived on 108th and Broadway, he's 100, 113th, Adam Clayton Powell. Mike G went to school with people I knew. So I'm knowing him, the Jungle Brothers. I'm watching it all unfold. I'm in the mix. Um, this club called Hotel Amazon is downtown. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They start bringing hip-hop shit down there. I'm in there all the time. I'm going to Quarters, Amazon, Paradise Garage. We're going to all these spots. I'm going to places like Silver Shadows. Oh, Bentley's? Silver Shadows. Right? Try, I'm trying I know to you're the only white dude in there. Oh, 100%. That shit is so fake, bougie black, man. Yeah, I'm going to tell you this, too. And this, this may sound wrong, <laughs> but if you're the only white dude in any all-black crowd... You always pull a bitch. Yeah, guaranteed. Easy. Easy. Yeah, there's so someone will, <laughs> something will present itself every single fucking time. It's wild. You want white privilege, man. Yo, 
like that's that's like the only white privilege I ever had. Yeah. Um. Um. So so I'm going to Red Parrot. Yeah. You know all these spots. I'm I'm running around. Faith Newman's in the mix. Mm-hmm. Um. She was working at Def Jam. That's right. my, my sister for for life. She's the best. Um. Red takes a shine to me. We become friends. Right. Red's my guy. I, I literally could call him on the phone. Yeah. What's up tonight? Don't go. Like, what are you doing? So you know, and then Dayla, and he's killing the radio. And and I brought and him plugs. Kill, he's killing the radio. Man, like, like he was king. the hottest in the whole whole world. Yes. His tapes is everywhere. Yes, I'm going to LA and dudes got the tapes. I'm going to London, people got the tapes. Mm-hmm. Right, he's the he's the sound provider for the whole world. Yes, most influential hip hop DJ in the world at this point, and the most accessible. Right, he's like the most, most humble. Yeah, I'm hanging out with him and Jeff Fox, throwing a frisbee in front of the Palladium. Right, like after the party, like he's my That's man. Crazy. That's crazy. He's, it drives me home. He's yeah. my guy. So, so I gave him plug tuning. He played that shit the next day. Kilt. And I was like, I'm two for two with this guy. Mm-hmm. I signed Latifah. I gave him the record during the Which new music Which one? Wrath, Wrath of My Madness. Yo, can we talk about this? Oh, let's talk about how I found her yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 45 King comes up to me in Latin quarters. He says, you, you're Dante Ross? No interwebs back then. How the fuck he knows who I am? I don't know. I'm like, yeah. He, he's like, yo. I was like, who are you? He's 45 King. So in my mind, 45 King is seven feet tall, right? Because his promos are everywhere. And and he's he's one of the nastiest. So he did the Lati record. That's the only record he had out. I love that record. His Cuts Got Flavor. I was like, oh, you did this Cuts Got Flavor? He's like, yeah, you want to hear some music? He pulled out a Walkman and some big headphones. Bang, put them on. His headphones was greasy too, no lie. Yeah. He has some sweaty headphones. Yeah. You know, you know that you don't never want to wear no one's headphones, yeah. right? So, so um, at least it ain't earbuds. <laughs> I was like this. I was like, oh man. Yeah. But but regardless, Mark played Heat. He played Heat. Heat. I'm in the Latin quarters trying to hear like go out in the lobby type shit, and I'm like, damn, like come see me. I'm a Tommy boy. Bong bong. Him and Fat Five Freddy called me. Freddy was my man back in the days. What was his affiliation with uh, Forty Five? He was people with them. Freddie, right, right. Freddie got around. He yeah. was a good politician. He, yeah. you know, he was down. Freddie with was red. everywhere. Everywhere. He's, yeah, he's ubiquitous. Yeah. You know, he was my man back then. Later on, not so much. Um, so, so me and um, Freddie and him start playing me music over the phone. They play me Latifah, Wrath of My Madness. I said, "What the fuck is that?" Wasn't that one of the? I mean, I think that's the really first time. I mean, that's the first time I was like, "I fuck." With a female MC, yeah, yeah, like, me that too. That was the first because I'm, pretty you much. know, it's, it's hard. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I, like I know it's a sexist rappers. game, and they got a know, nasal voice. Yeah, but like Latifah, Latifah, like people don't Lauren remember. Hill, people like don't remember when Latifah was king of this shit. She was the shit. Yes, fuck Queen. She was king of this shit. She, she I, so I, I hit up Mark. I said, "Come see me next week. Come check me out." Yeah, he comes. No Fat Five. I do not know why. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, he, he, I told him, bring all your artists in place up. He brings Lati, Apache, Latifah, and I want to say Chill Rob G, but it might've been Marky Fresh. Right. I remember Marky Fresh. I think it was Marky Fresh. He, he passed away. Rest in peace. Did he? Yeah, I heard that. So, so, a couple years back. Okay. okay. And, um. He used to hang out at Def Jam a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was, he was bugged out. So, so, um, he was like maybe in the flavor unit, maybe not. Right. Um, and and they played a bunch of records by everyone, and, and I, I was enamored by Latifah, and I pulled Monica in the room in the office. She come listen to this. She was like, "Oh my god!" She's like, 
She was like, it's great. She's like, come on my office. She's like, we have to sign this. She's amazing. So so I was like, yeah, you know, we, we, we want to offer you a record deal. Richard Grable was her lawyer. We literally went and played basketball two blocks away afterwards and smoked dirt weed. I like, I bonded with them. 45 King was my man. And we did the deal for dirt cheap with Richard Grable, who, you know, is still one of the greatest yeah, attorneys, yeah. best dude ever. Yeah. And look at Latifah now, man. I mean, dude, Did you even imagine? I mean... Was, was, she, was she royalty back then? Oh. I mean, she walked in a room and lit it up. Right. She had it from day one. Right. Like, but to know, have America in I mean, the palm so, of her hands. So that's the one thing my mom always would be like, and my son discovered Queen Latifah. <laughs> that was like her, her, her big, like, she didn't really understand yeah. what I did. Yeah, yeah. And, and her only real relationship to rap music was uh, Queen Latifah and... She loved Bone Thugs and Harmony and oh, asked crazy. me why I couldn't make rap that, music like that. That's why don't you make rap music like that's that? Crazy. That's real music. <laughs> like, okay, she, the Crossroads was her favorite song. <laughs> Yo, that's crazy. Yo, we we gotta wrap it up, man. I, I mean, you you need a, you need another part because let's do it. We didn't even get through through half. Yeah, of we like things. we're like right here. I know, man. But 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 let's talk about man, like the greatness that was Pooba. Oh man, let's talk about that. It's the greatest rapper who 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 blew it all. Right, like you you the, really feel. I think you said this the I mean, last. He's time. the greatest underachiever in the history of rap. Music. You 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 feel that he could uh -huh. have been the greatest of all time. I mean, he was right there. Like right. and and Bus will tell you that too. Because see, like when I signed, when I had Bus and all them signed, Poolbar was the, the top of the hill. He was the goat. Which, he was the goat. Which was, the, which wide away combat? That was my first time when I was reading credits. Um, even though the album had already came out, uh, uh, Case of the PTA, yeah, yeah, Lisa yeah. New School, yeah, yeah. and. I start reading the linear notes and I I realize like oh what's the A and R like you know what I mean and yeah, Dante yeah. Ross with the first I'm like well who's this guy and I see his name pop up in other albums that I like that's what and Jeff I'm Ray's like who's this dude Dante, you know what Dante I mean? was everywhere man yeah and and, and, and I started putting Mr Dante Ross because Doom would fuck with me and I was like <laughs> I'm like yo that's Mister to you and then he was like yo he credited me as Mr Dante Ross so I started using that but what's so, crazy is in real life as I was moving in the game and going to office this guy was everywhere because mm -hmm. Dante was fucking everywhere man you know that's how we did it yeah, man you yeah. know we didn't have no so, internet we had to do it in real life yeah man you had to get your you gotta lace up your boots and go but yeah so so so, so Poolbar yeah you yeah, know we, we we were watching him since Masters of Ceremony when we were making Daylight that album we loved him we was looking up to him he was one of our favorites I wanted him to produce Queen Latifah. He missed like 17 meetings with me. Come on, man. Because, you know, he always had the yard man shit, and she was fucking with the dance hall shit. So I thought together they could make some fly shit. Of course, shit. of course, of course. Because I love that song, Redder Posse, mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. was with Don Barron and yes. uh, Mass Ceremony. I was a fan. So so I tried to link him, and I, they kept missing meetings. But he showed up one day, and he played me a record they made off a pause tape. Ain't going out like that. It was brand Nubian. And I was like, yo, I like this a lot. And and I was like one song, and I was like, I want to sign y'all. And and when you like, heard Sadat's voice, man, what the fuck did you think? Well, what bugged me out is that when I heard Sadat's voice, I also had heard that Poobah was rapping a little different. He had changed his style a little mm -hmm. bit, and like I don't care what anyone says, Poobah, before he f messed with X, didn't rap how he rapped after he messed with X, mm. and, and people don't really know that. Um, so I just I signed him. I, I I actually so I told him I want to sign him, but I told him chill, because I'm about to go to. Electra, right? And you're gonna be my first group I signed. So Monica was like, "Oh, I love Grand Poobah," and I was like, "Yeah, yeah." She's like, and I was like, and fast forward when I told her I was leaving, she's like, "Well, I just want to say I don't think it's ethical if you sign Grand Poobah right. because you found ah. that here." And I said, "Oh, don't worry, I'm not signing Grand Poobah. I'm not gonna sign Grand Poobah because yeah. I wasn't. I was gonna sign Brand Newbie. Brand Newbie. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So you know, and she didn't sign Grand Poobah either. No. But she pissed her. Was she pissed at you though? 
Was she nah, pissed, man? Nah, she never held no grudge right, on anything right. with me. Nah, yeah. she's all love. Tom, I think, at, was was salty about some things. But, of course, of course, of course. Know. Yeah, you know, I was man. You you got you really got a chance to work with one of my top fives, man. Who that? Doom. Oh, he's the best. Like, like how was he, man? When when I mean, when they were was, like you signed KMD, right? Yeah. Like, how was he, man? Did you I mean, see he that? A, he was a, you know, so you, back then you can't talk about Doom without talking about Sub Rock. Yes. Right? So they were symbiotic, yin-yang, finish each other's sentences, right. beyond brothers. They were like one one entity, um, and and they were amazing. They were, you know, so, so I'm like, I'm rewriting my book. I'm going over with my editor, and I'm, I'm working on the Black Bastards chapter this weekend, actually. I worked on it, and, and very emotional. Like, you should do an MF Doom uh, a, a join on him, I, dude. We I, should talk, dude. About I need to. We should I, talk. I, about I need. It. How many years I've been talking about Doom? Since we can, day one. We Since day one, it, we can do it. <laughs> I'll fly out. I'll fly because I'm the only person. You, you know, this. I will or four fly out. Dude. I will fly out specifically. You, you tell me this weekend. I'm flying out. We'll, we'll make it happen. Yeah. He's not gonna send a Doom bot, right? Y'all was in nah, that nah, video we'll, together, right? We'll the third yeah, we were in the third. We're in the gas phase. Yeah, yeah. So, so Doom and and Sub were like one person. I've never seen anyone any. They were so smart, right. but so innocent, but so they wise. innocent when they were running with, um, with third base, right? But wise at the same yeah, time, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and cynical, but open-minded. There were like a lot of like uh, duality in the way they, they acted, but super talented. And what people don't know is that Sub Rock did a lot of the music. Doom was always mad, lazy, so he would start things, and, and Sub would always finish them. Right. So Doom would have the initial idea, but Sub would bring it home. He was the finisher. Yeah, he was the finisher, and and more of the technician of the two. Doom was more of the rapper, mm -hmm. and um, you know they, they had this like relationship though, and they would just ridicule each other nonstop, and they jokes. They spoke their own coded language. And, and their own pig Latin. Nah, just their own. Their own shit. Hieroglyphics did it too when I met them. Right. There's just certain crews got their own slang, and if you're not keyed into it, you don't know what the hell they're talking about. Right, right. So you know they had their own their own swag, their whole own thing, and they were devout Muslims. They would stop the session and and pray five times a day. At that point, um, they were they were um, they were amazing, man. They were wonderful kids, and and they were kids. You know, Doom was a young man, and, and Subrock was a kid, damn near. And and you know they were like my little brothers. I had a a very uh, familiar feeling with them. And they did their entire demo. They tracked it all, all the ideas in my studio with my old engineer. It took them three months to do it before they made the record. So they kind of made the record twice. Right. Um, so I was around them a lot. And <clears throat> and uh, it, it, was, it was a pleasure, man. I mean, Doom is, I mean, he, what 18-year-old kid from Lake, you know, from Long Island, from Long Beach is, or Lakeview is listening to, is reading Charles Bukowski, mm. like you know, he was like he was, like he was a, really reading that back then. Oh yeah, he was like a different kind of kid. Like he would he would come to your house and just absorb everything. Like I think he caught the Bukowski from me, and but he was just that kid. He was always he wanted to know to right, learn. Right, right, he right. was he was that guy. He was intellectually gifted, um, as was Subrock, technically and intellectually gifted, extremely advanced. So I don't know what was going on in their house, what their DNA is, but those kids were. Light years ahead of most of most of their peers. Right. You know, they were like, I, 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 I was think Q-Tip was like that too, because I knew Tip in high school, and Tip was worldly beyond his years. Right, right, at right. seventeen, right. his knowledge of music was like ridiculous. Yeah. You know, Bam was. I mean, uh, Africa was like that too. Sometimes you meet these kids, and they're they're so they're, ahead they're, of yeah, the they're, game. Yeah, their 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 depth. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like, you don't even know, you you know makes me wonder what was going on in their house. Right. Did you have any inkling, man, that that Zev Love could be this guy? I mean, I did because he was so 
so talented, so young. Did I know it would become MF Doom? No, no. but but like I, I think of Doom, and I've said this before. Like, so he is a metaphor for for black people, for black man, handsome one, some bullshit. Watch to make that shit work for them, mm-hmm. right? He was handed adversity two times that would ruin most people, but because which is he, which is the death of his brother, death of his brother, and getting and dropped getting from electric, yeah, right. So these things happen in the span of one year. But this guy reinvents himself, disappears. M- disappears, reinvents himself as MF Doom and becomes this thing that did not exist before him. He reinvents himself and basically invents the new underground rap, the yes. new backpack rap, whatever you call it. And I don't like backpack rap. I don't like underground rap, but I like MF Doom. Yeah. Right. So half that other shit, fuck that shit. But, yeah. but, but him, he's dope. And, and so he took like he took adversity and he sucked it up. And he made himself bigger, better, stronger. Yeah. To me, that's black people's history in America. How's he doing, man? He's not doing so good out here. Really? Why? I don't know. What's what's going on? Man? I don't know, man. I don't have specifics. Right, I heard right. it's you know, I heard it's you know, things are strange. Of course. You know, I think he drinks a lot. Of course. You know. Yeah. Um, I you stopped him. drinking. I stopped drinking. You, when did you stop drinking? Uh, six years ago today. Six years ago today. Yes, Congratulations, yeah, man. man. Was that hard? Uh, it was harder to stop smoking weed. Right. Yeah, I smoked weed every day since I was 13. You're straight edge right now. 100%. Why? I drink coffee. Why? So straight edge, definitely straight edges. I, I, I wouldn't have sex or drink coffee, right. so I'm not straight edge. But. Okay, but, but why? I'm curious um, why. Because I remember you were, you were tweeting about it a couple of um, years ago. Um, because at the, you know, my, my father passed away, my, and I took care of him for like the last year of his life. My mother had Alzheimer's during this time period, and, and alcohol and drugs was making taking me to a dark place. Mm. I was uh, depressed, unhappy, miserable, um, had, a, had a bad breakup with a lady, and, and these, th- these things combined with me uh, drinking most every night and smoking weed all day every day took me to a dark place. Yeah. And, and I, uh, I didn't want to live my life like that anymore. And, and one day um, I just had, a, had a, a flash from something bigger than me, call a guy, call whatever you want. And, and, you know, the notion to gain clarity in my life became apparent to me. And, and you know, with the help of, um, you know, I'm not ashamed to say it, a 12-step program. I've remained sober to this day, and, and I get to help other people get sober. And I speak in detoxes and rehabs. And, That's dope, man. And I, I preach the gospel of sobriety. If you want it, you know, it's there for you. I don't, I don't push it on anyone, but if anyone ever wants to you know, try and get it together and wants to investigate what being sober is like. I'm here with my hand out to you. And if that's not for you, God bless. Hope you don't hurt yourself out there, you know? What's the difference with regard? You said you were seeking clarity. What's the difference with the clarity? Like, tell well, us the dif- Tell me the difference. So for me, the, the, the gift is the gift of pause, reflection. I get to, um, I don't, and I don't mean pause, <laughs> um, the pause, gift of pause. pause. I, the, you know, it's like I, when things happen, I can sit in it. And when uncomfortable situations arise, I can sit in it, right? I don't have to escape via alcohol and drugs, weed, whatever it is, Vicodin, whatever I'm fucking with. I can sit there and let it take its natural course, a.k.a. God's will. I understand that I'm, I'm protected and, and taken care of by something much bigger than me, right? So I am allowed to let things take their natural course instead of forcing my will because my will in anything will fuck it up. Mm. If, I, if my selfish ego gets involved in it, I'm probably going to do something shitty, right? right? So, so it's the gift of dealing with uncomfortability in a rational way um, and, and also acknowledging that I'm not the be end all of everything. You know, my ego um, has, has, I still got a huge ego, but my ego has been turned down a, a whole lot and, and, you know, I just get to I get to actually have gratitude for 
all the things I've had in my life instead of coveting the shit that I want, right? Because to the things I want, probably not always that good for me, right? right. I want that bad bitch. Mm-hmm. I want that car. I want that $3 million mm-hmm. or whatever it is, you know? So, so that stuff's not necessarily going to get me the inner peace I see, right. you know, because my life has been like a 12-round boxing match. So, so, you know, ups and downs and, and, and good and bad. But, you know, like now I get to really just be present and enjoy my life in the moment, you know? I don't know if you know what Bob Evans is, but... but yeah. So I always like to think... Kid of my, stays in the picture, right? Right. I always think of my career, I'm the hip-hop version of Bob Evans, mm. right? It's gone like this. It's a this. great movie, too. You know? It's a great movie. So, yeah. so, you know, I always like... And he's a sober guy, so... So, you know, for me, it's like... It just changed my life for the better so, so measurably. And it's not only a gift to me, it's a gift to everyone around me right because i don't go to work and rip my assistant's head off anymore right, right. and i don't get mad when someone bumps into me right, and, right, right. and i'm not like gonna you know i'm not i'm not walking around harboring all this negative shit anymore that's still all from 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 quitting drinking and smoking well, well so i went to a 12-step program to stop drinking and smoking but the gifts i got were spiritual mm-hmm. right so it brought me much closer to my version of god and i incorporated prayer and meditation on my daily daily runnings and and all these things you know were the the like icing on the cake the fringe benefits i just went to not wake up with a fucking hangover every yeah, day and yeah. and not like, like like i did this morning <laughs> yeah not fucking lose my phone and, yeah 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 yeah. you know yeah. you know I, I owed the tax man a lot of money and just to be a responsible individual of course and, and beyond that to deal with the loss of my father mm, right i know that that hits you hard man i'm gonna love my dad yeah. so you know for me i had to deal with that sober to work my way through it mm-hmm and and I was able to do it. Amazing, man. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, look, if anyone ever in the whole world like, you know, you want to you want to try and get it together, you feel like you might have a problem, my hand is out to you. I'm always there to help the next man. That's what we do. That's dope, man. Um last question. Top 5 MCs. Top 5 MCs. Mm-hmm. Rakim. And, and, and no part No order. no order. Right. Rakim, mm-hmm. Jay-Z, Eminem, Nas. Um who's number 5? Mm. Those four always come quick. It's a toss-up, Kane or or Karis one because I, I go old school. So Ooh. so I'm gonna go I'm gonna go five plus one. Um, th- those are my guys. But but if I had to, if I go top ten, I'm throwing Andre three thousand mm-hmm. in there too. Um, um, who else would I put in there? Man, I would probably just end it there. Like yeah. you know, I mean, there's a couple other cats, but uh, I'm, if I'm going top ten, so so that would be seven. I would put Kendrick in there as eight. Mm. Um, he's the only modern guy who got it like mm-hmm. that to me. He's amazing. Um, Scarface would probably be number nine because mm. he's the storyteller. And who would be number 10? Mm. Mm. It's a tough one. I don't know, man. Number 10, I can't call it. I'm going to leave it at nine. Yeah. You know, I'm surprised you never went God body, man. You probably be the I only can't, white. I can't be God body. You probably be the only white boy I know would be God body, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know a lot of gods in high you school. You know too. a lot of gods. You worked with a it lot is. of gods. That's man. why I signed Dirty. You know yeah, that, right? I didn't know that. A sign so, unique. So Rizza came to me and I wanted to sign Method Man and Dirty. Mm-hmm. And he told me that's an ill thought. Cause I was like, they're the new run DMC. Right. They're gonna be the Ooh. greatest duo ever. Right. And he said, that's an ill thought. But I put Method Man over there with Russell already. Mm-hmm. But he's like, but you got all the gods here, so I'm going to put the god with you right here. Because you on that bugged out shit, and you fuck with the gods heavy. So That's he gonna, he's going to be right, right here. That's like crazy, that. man. Yeah, yeah. Yo, you know, we don't have time, man. We do it another but, time. But you talked about how brilliant Dirty was. He wasn't a clown, right? Nah, man. He he gets, you know, he gets marginalized because of all his antics. But, but before all the madness... 
took over, his self-awareness was beyond you know, every artist ever. Like he had the vision for his album cover. He had the he pulled vision. out of his that's his he real pulled welfare, his card. welfare card. And and he his, you know, the videos were his ideas. Like he had so many amazing ideas and and his self awareness of who he was and what he was, there was a lot of tongue in cheek involved in it. Um and I work with this guy Ugly God and by no means am I saying he is the new old dirty bastard. But but his self awareness and his sarcasm his sardonic way his tongue-in-cheek shit people don't get it right people don't really get dirty he was really right. it was really a mind fuck with him he was he was saying yeah i'm a court jester but am i really i'm, I'm playing y'all 100 percent. i'm playing y'all that's amazing man dante man thank you man thank you guys thank you. we got to do this again man. yeah we got to do it again i want to know you two's uh top five rap superheroes because there's a difference right did you mention mf doom i would yeah. i would consider him to be in that Cause mm. not every rapper is a superhero, mm. but like the ones that's Dirty's like, a they superhero. have magical powers. You Sean know what I mean? Dirty's a right. superhero. Sean Price was a superhero. Ooh, Sean Price for sure, <laughs> and that's my man. Rest in peace, Sean. I yeah. love you. Red Man. Red Man, one hundred percent. Method Man. Method Man. Yeah, one hundred percent. Cool Keith. Mm. I mean, Ghostface. Ghostface for yeah. sure. I mean, yeah, Cool Keith. What? <laughs> cool Keith because he's just a maniac. Yes, yes, you know? yes, he's a yes, yes. Um, he's dumb underrated by the way. Buster. He is man. Buster for sure. Buster. I mean, um. Man, Wu Tang Clan is the Avengers, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm. They're like they're they're like the Avengers to me. Um, man, it goes on and on. I mean, Eminem, Eminem is Superman, mm. you know, because he he looks mild mannered, look like a regular dude, but yeah. let him take that take that shit off, put the cape yeah, on. I give him the flash. I give him the flash because he's so fucking fast. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> man. See, Eminem is bugged to me too because I I haven't really enjoyed listening to his records that much the last like. You know, after it's the first different. two, yeah, the first two. I, I like recovery. Yeah. Yeah. I like recovery, but the first two, yeah. But technically, he's the baddest te- motherfucker of all time. The only one technically who could ever fuck with him. Oh, I forgot the greatest rapper of all time on my list. I'm bugging. Yo, big. Yes. I'm bugging. Yes. That's just so, is it's he, so is obvious. He, is he top five or second? Top one. Top one. Mm. That's the greatest rapper who yes. ever did it. Yes. See, there's, I'm a student of rap. So I was talking to a, a, a rapper the other day. And this kid, you should know about him. Lou the Human. He's nasty. Lou the Human. Lou the Human. From from where? From where? He's from Staten Island. Okay. He's a white boy. He, well, he's all kinds of things. He's Mexicano. He's all kind of shit. Right. But he looks like a white dude. He's amazing. Check him out. I got a song called Brink Out. People, everyone's chasing this kid. So so he came in my office and we were talking about rapping. And, and I said, you're a superhuman rapper because you could change your flow at any time. He said, I'm surprised you know that. I said, yeah, only two other rappers in the history of rap could ever do that. And that's Big and M. Wait, and you know who else can change Jay. that flow? No, you know who else doesn't get credit. I think he's a fucking super scroll. Not that he changes his style, but he can adapt to any style. Game. Yeah, but but yeah. game that see what I'm talking about is so in the art of rapping, yes. everything has to be done on a four, a eight, a twelve, a sixteen, right? Everything works in four bar increments. You write your raps in fours or eights, usually. But big in the middle of the third bar can mm-hmm. change his flow. Mm-hmm. Eminem in the middle of the fifth oh, bar yeah, can yeah. change his flow. Yeah, yeah. Ro- as great as Rock him is, he can't do that. Jay could do that, mm-hmm. but he doesn't do it as often as those guys. And you know who's the, off the charts? Andre 3000 could do it too. And, and Doom. Doom is different. He not rocking like that. His pocket ain't like that. He his pocket ain't as good as those dudes. Like Nas don't do that. Right. Jay does it a little bit. Kendrick does it a little bit. But like really only Big M. Andre 3000, the mm. only guys who ever really did that, fucked with it like that, and and the off bar changing their entire flow, and and Big's the first one who ever did it, and 
anyone says anything else, they're bugging. That's crazy. He's the greatest rapper ever for, for doing that. And he never rapped the same same way a whole 16. Mm. So there's great rappers. Like, Jadik is a very good rapper, but mm. he's going to rap the same way that whole 16 yeah. 99% of times. Yeah. Right? So music revolves on even numbers. So jazz, though, fucks with the odd, the odd numbers, right? Shit will be in four or five. So what these guys are doing is the rapping equivalent of jazz. Mm. They're breaking the rules of mathematics because music Bring is all elasticity, math. Elasticity. To right. They, they're, 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 whether conscious or not, they are fucking with a higher form of rhythm, much like Latin music, which is never traditional time either. Right, right, right. So, so when I talk about rap, I talk about Big and M, Andre 3000 cats who really did that. And, and to me, you know, that's why they're in my top 10. But Big, hands down, the, the greatest rapper of all time. Yes, me. sir. Yes, sir. There you go. And here's one of the greatest A&Rs of all time. Thank Dante, you. man, thank you so thank much, you. man. And and it's, it's 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 been far too long. Yeah, yeah. We got to talk some more, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, and continue My success, man. man. I, I thank see, you, man. I see you. I see you. You, you, you yeah, haven't stopped. It's good. Right now, it's, it's great, man. Yeah. You know, I got, I got the Ugly God Kid made in Tokyo. You know, we got another Macklemore coming down. That's and, dope. And Little Dicky's doing his new record. And he's got a mixtape about to come out. You, 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 like, you, you like the climate today, man? You know, I look at it different, right? So there's Kendrick. I, I Leo asked me this last night. He said, Dante, how do you feel about rap today? I said, you know, there's J. Cole and, and, and Kendrick over here and maybe Chance. There's a couple of cats over mm -hmm. here who are, you know, they, still, still they embody, they embody what we do. They, they could have hung out with everyone yeah. in the 90s, exactly. right? And then you got over here, you got all this other shit. But, but I, I understand this other shit. And I have a job. And I understand and appreciate for it what it is, yes. right? Everything has its own chamber, its own level, right? Everything isn't the same. So, so, and it applies to all music and culture. So we got the exceptions to the rule, the J. Coles, the Chance the Rappers, the Kendrick Lamar, a couple other cats, Schoolboy Q, cats mm -hmm. who really, really rap. Schoolboy, He's fans, nasty. Yeah. And then... You got the dudes over here who do this new thing about rap. It's not about lyrical. It's the vibe. It's all in the that's vibe. That's it, right? It's all. It's this, some, and you're looking for stars. You're always. That's it, stars. and it's some other shit now. So this stuff, like, I, I watch the culture around the artist as much as the artist himself, right? So if the culture around him validates it, then it's real because it doesn't matter what me or you like. It's not our music. It's what the kids like. Exactly. And and I'm lucky enough to to see it. that shit. Yeah, yeah. It's almost easier now. Yeah. Why? I mean, it is easier, but I mean, we could get into to that again, man. Oh, record sell again. So. Yes, sir. exactly. Listen, right, internets. Dante Ross, man. Thank you so My much. Sir. Yes, sir. Again. You know what it is, internets. Dream those man. dreams, and then man up, woman up, and live those dreams. Because a dream without a life without dreams is black and white, <laughs> and the universe flows in Technicolor and surround sound. Blah. Your internet support for this week's episode of the Combat Jack Show is brought to you by the Spotify original podcast Mogul: The Life and Death of Chris Lighty, hosted by me. Uh, Mogul tells the story of the music exec that changed hip-hop, changed the careers, and shaped the careers of some of his most beloved artists like LL Cool J, 50 Cent, Missy Elliott, Nas, Diddy, Busta Rhymes, and so many more. In one of the most illustrious careers in music, Chris Lighty rose to the pinnacle of musical success before an untimely end. The story is just more than music. It's the story of the American dream. Mogul, the life and death of Chris Lighty is a Spotify original podcast produced by Gimlet Media and the Loudspeakers Network. Follow and listen to Mogul every week exclusively on Spotify. That's Thursday, specifically internet. Thursday. This episode of the Combat Jack Show is produced by Jonathan Mena, executive produced by A. King, and this is an official Loudspeakers Network production.